turn in your Bibles to Psalm 42. And as you're um, doing that, uh, one of the reasons, um, let me tell you one of the reasons, main reason why I wanted to end with Psalm 42 and 43. This kind of time, this time that we've had together is always uh, an incredibly encouraging time to get together, to have the fellowship, to encourage one another, to challenge one another. And what can happen at a, after a time like this is a, um, you, you go back to ministry, wherever you're going, uh, all over the place, and there can be a letdown. This has been a great time. You, you don't know what you're going back to, uh, but you do know you're going back to, to walk into the, to the great privilege and honor of ministry, but also the wreckage of people's lives. It's kind of what we do. We walk into the wreckage of people's lives and we walk with them and we teach them and train them and disciple them. But, but not only that, that, that kind of thing can happen, but also what do you do? In, in life and in ministry, whether you're in the ministry or not in the ministry, when you have a dry time. You know, we all hit those spots in our, in our lives, don't we, when we're dry. Um, and in fact, we don't have, we, we believe, we have faith, we're responding to our callings, but we don't have a, we don't have a real sense of God's presence in our lives. That happens. And that can be particularly challenging for young people, uh, young people that you minister to or to new Christians. I thought, you know, I thought once I became a Christian, everything was going to be fine and great and I was going to feel God's presence and love and joy and celebrate and worship and wonder and all those things. But where is he? Where is he? And this passage, again, it's a passage you know, probably. It's one of the most beautiful passages, I think, uh, in all of the Bible. And it gets right at letdowns and times of spiritual dryness. Those times when we don't have that sense of God's presence in our lives. Let me pray. Lord, we pray as we read uh, this passage, as we walk through it, as we finish this time together. Lord, we pray that you would encourage us, teach us, bless us, uh, transform us, and, and, and come. Be with us through uh, your word and, and press it home uh, to our hearts. We pray that we would be challenged and encouraged and, and blessed by this passage of, of your word. And Lord, we pray that we would, as we walk into it, re remember, and it would make all the difference in those times when we go back, those times of letdown, and those times of dryness, spiritual dryness that we all face in our lives. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, beginning in Psalm 42, for the choir director, a mascal of the sons of Korah, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night.
while people say to me all day long, where's your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of Jordan, from the heights of Hermon, and from Mount Mazar. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy, by my bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where's your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. And now Psalm 43. And I read both of these together because they were originally, there's very good reasons to believe that originally this was all one psalm. Vindicate me, my God, and please plead my cause against unfaith, an unfaithful nation. Rescue me from those who are deceitful and wicked. You are God, my stronghold. Why have you rejected me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? Send me your light and your faithful care and let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, the place where you dwell. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God, my joy and my delight. I will praise you with the lyre. Uh, oh God, my God, why, my soul, are you downcast? Why does so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. For I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. This is the uh, one of the, the, the Psalms in, in the book of Psalms that has a heading that, that's, that's vitally important. It says, for the director of music, a mascal, which means instruction, encouragement, wisdom. For the sons of Korah. Who were the sons of Korah? No. Who are this? Anybody know? Korah and the sons of Korah? Yeah, they're, well, they're the temple musicians. Okay, they're the worship team. Korah was assigned to lead music in worship at the temple, and the sons of Korah did the same. It's the worship team, it's the musicians. And there's something that's, that's gone wrong. They're, they're separated from the people of God. They're separated from uh, worship. 
and fellowship. We don't know where or why, but there's clearly a sense here of separation, of distance. We don't know all of the, all of the details, and they haven't lost, again, this, uh, a sense of belief in God and trust in God, but there's this sense of loss of, of presence, of relationship, of, of reality of, of God in his life. And it's, it's, it's affecting him spiritually. He's, he's dry. As a deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, oh my God. Have you ever been dehydrated physically? Uh, I remember several years ago, I was with my son. My son was an athlete, and we were out all afternoon um, in Texas playing baseball. And uh, he was a ball player and we were throwing and running and catching and hitting and, and I helped coach my son's baseball teams all the way up through uh, until high school. And I thought, man, this is great. I'm, I'm keeping up with him. He's a lot younger than me. Things are going well. And uh, let's run. Let's go running. I, I was on a roll and suddenly we both looked up at each other in the middle of the afternoon and we both at the same time, had that look. (laughs) We were completely dehydrated. We were empty of water. We had to rush to the store. We had to get water. We had to get whatever whatever it took. And and this, this is a a spiritual dryness. This is a, a person who's going back to where he usually gets nourishment, and it's not there. Dehydrated. And as I mentioned, this, this happens with, with all of us. Remember, um, remember that all those images that Paul uses of running and wrestling and fighting and, um, are, all take place after conversion. But here's somebody who's spiritually dry. But he's also affected psychologically, emotionally, um, from the inside and out. He said, why, oh, my soul, are you downcast? Why are you downcast within me? And then from the outside, so where's your God? Have you ever heard that? Where's God? So where's your God? Where's this God you say you believe in that you're always teaching about? Where is he? So it's internal struggling and external struggling. So where's your God? But it's even affecting him physically. Um, seems like we're just going down and down and down here. Have, have you ever been here? I have. My tears have been my food day and night. What an image. My tears have been my food um, day and night. He's struggling spiritually, psychologically, emotionally, and now uh, physically. The loss of God's presence the reality of God and his life is affecting him in every way. In every way. And then, and then in verse 7, uh, deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. Now there's the sense of being completely overwhelmed. Stick with me, it gets better. Uh, the, have, you, have you been there? Affected in every way, tears, food, day and night, overwhelmed, waves, breakers coming, and just this sense of storm, of flood, of, of waves. I've been there. 
Um, I'll, I'll just tell you, my, my daughter, I've learned a lot about um, ministry uh, through the years. And, you know, I used to be, when I first got into ministry, um, you just need to be more committed. You need to be a stronger disciple. You need to read your Bible more. You need to go to church. You need to worship. You need... And then I had a daughter with depression. Um, and we walked with the, I've, my daughter, I'll just tell you, I'm here to be honest. My daughter tried to commit suicide twice. What did I do wrong as a parent? Cindy, where have we gone, gone wrong? And we learned a lot about what is spiritual and what is physical and what is emotional and what is psychological. You don't just say, hey, read your Bible more. Hey, take a pill. Hey, suck it up. It's usually a very complicated mixture of those things in many people's lives. And a number of times, both with our daughter, we almost lost our, our, our son and our daughter in the same week. Our son uh, totaled his truck in a rainstorm, and our daughter tried to commit suicide all in one week. But God, by God's grace, we, we got through that. But there were several times during that week we were reduced to tears on our knees for our kids. And we've been that same way in ministry. Lord, are you sure you want me to do this? I really don't want to. I don't want to talk to this kid. I don't want to talk to this mom. I don't want to talk to this dad. I don't want to deal with this. Just this sense of being... Um, overwhelmed. I, I mentioned the day that we heard that, that, that um, most of you were here the other night, the day that we heard right after a worship service that our son had been wounded. It's been very interesting being the dad of a paratrooper. We've learned a lot um, through the years. You know, when we learn through these things, we don't have it all together. We don't know what's best for us. Everything is not fine. Um, but we have we have Christ, but we're not self-sufficient. We, we go through these troubles, and he's going through these troubles. Remember what I said uh, the other night, most of Scripture speaks to us. The Psalms speak for us. This is another prayer that you can, you can pray. What I really want us to see in our time this morning is what he does about it. What does he do? Here's the circumstance. Here's the setting. Here's the situation. What does he do? in a time of dryness and discouragement and being overwhelmed. What do you do? Anybody ever been there? I promise you, if you haven't been there, you will be. And I promise you, even if you have, you will be again. I promise. That's nothing profound. You already know that. What do you do? What do you do? Well, I think this, these psalms help. Let's notice what, what he does when you're going through these kinds, when he's going through these kinds of things, when we're going through these kinds of things. Notice first, and these are things that you can do um, today, right away. Uh, first of all, he, he pours out his heart. Um, He's honest before God. Remember we said, pray from where you are, not from where you think you should be. He's panting, he's thirsting, he's crying. Rescue me, help me. Where are you? 
I'm hurting, I'm separated, I'm, I'm dry, I'm struggling, I'm wrestling. I'm not eating, I'm not sleeping, my enemies are, are taunting me. Uh, the psalmists, you see this all the time in the psalms, they're wrestling with God, they're crying out to God, they're bearing their hearts to God. Pour your heart out to God, good place to start. But then, secondly, look, he, he sort of very practically examines, re-examines, looks at his, his hopes. Why is my soul downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Why, why my soul, are you downcast? Why, why am I disturbed? What am I putting my hope in? What's your deepest longing? What do you long for more than anything else? What keeps you going? He's examining, we said the other night that often the psalmists are lifting their prayers up to God and talking to themselves at the same time. Do you ever do that? I was so encouraged reading this psalm a few years ago and wrestling through it because I'm one of these people that walks around talking out loud to myself. And my family always thought I was, that's weird, Brad. That's, no, it's biblical. The, psalms, the psalmists do it all the time. I talk to myself and I have to be careful. I talk out loud walking around all, all the time. My wife finds out all kinds of about things about my life from listening to me talk to myself. It's biblical, I said. And he's, he's doing that. Why are you downcast? What are you putting your hope in? Let's reevaluate. Let's reexamine. Pour your heart out to God. Examine your hopes. Maybe you need to relocate something, you're, you're, wherever you're aiming your hope. Maybe you've got an idol you're clinging to, something that you need to re-evaluate. Why my soul? Why my soul? Why my soul? Why? Why am I doing this? Next one is, is key, several here. Then he goes on, um, he pours his heart out, he re-examines his hopes He's talking to himself, wrestling with these things. And then he remembers. This is just so vital. When you're going through things like this, do what he does. He remembers what God has done for him in the past. He remembers God's faithfulness to him in the past. You know, we are so, I am anyway, so forgetful. Have you ever been praying for something and been praying for it for a long time and God answers it and you, you become, so you completely forget. If you've been a Christian, even if you haven't, for any length of time, God has done wonderful things in your life. And if you're like me, I hope you're not too much like me, but if you're like a typical human being, you'll forget. Um, some people are very good at, at at keeping diaries or logging or writing. You know, it's incredible if you've ever been in a prayer group or you've kept a diary to go back and look on some kind of regular basis and see what the Lord has done. He remembers, these things I remember as I pour out my soul. I used to do this and God used to do that and God is my rock. Remember. He deliberately focuses on Uh, remembering what God has done for him in the past, thinking about God's love for you, what God has done for you, and practical things that God has done in your life and those around you through the years. But then, four, 
another vital thing, and we can all do this. We can do this right away. He starts, he stops listening to his heart and starts talking to his heart. He starts preaching sort of to himself. Um, it's almost as if he, again, he, he grabs his heart and says, listen, heart, there, there is a time where you stop listening and start talking and listen to, put your hope in God, he says. Put your hope in God. Remember, put your hope in God. Stop just listening and start preaching the gospel to yourself every day. Reminding yourself and teaching yourself, preaching to uh, yourself. I remember a couple of things that Harrison told us um, after his basic training, and he was about to go. He, I, he couldn't tell me what he, what he did. Usually he would go, be, he would go off somewhere and, and do something, and, and he couldn't tell me what, um, where they were going and what they were doing. But he said before the first time he was ever, ever sent into a, a dangerous situation. Um, it, the first time he was ever deployed, he said this, it was this big deal. They were in this small unit and they were going to go to Afghanistan and they didn't know what they were going to be called to do. He said this big, important uh, general came in and, and said and gathered all the men the analogy is pretty amazing, actually, for ministry. He said, men, you have the best training in the world. You have your wings. You are members of the 173rd Airborne Brigade Combat Team. And then he went on to tell them where they were going to go. Did they know all that that he told them? Well, of course they did. They knew all that. They'd been going through all this intense training. But he came in. Before he sent them out into battle, he took the time to gather them and remind them of who they are. They knew who they were. Remember who you are. Remember what God has done for you. Uh, remember, the, remember the who before the do. And I remember when Harrison came home after all that, he, he said, I will never forget this. He, he said, you know, Dad, that was an incredible experience. Preparing, remembering, and going into battle with my buddies. And you know what? I don't even like all those guys <laughs> but I give my life for every one of them. Here's my son teaching me all about ministry <laughs> uh, and not knowing. He said, I don't even like all those guys, but I would give my life for every one of them. Remember who you are. Remind, remind yourself of who you are. And, and finally... He, he seeks 
community. You, you see this all through the psalm. He seeks community and fellowship with God's people, and inevitably you see that in the psalms uh, over and over and over. Finding the presence of God in community. Finding the presence of God in the, the corporate people of God, the community of God, worshiping with the people of God. Uh, send me your light. That's all this imagery of send me your light and your faithful care. Bring me to your holy mountain where you dwell, the altar of God. I will praise you with the lyre. He longs to be back with God's people singing and worshiping and experiencing community with God's people seeking that fellowship, seeking that community. Remember Paul telling us in Ephesians 4, we are members one of another, members of one another. We're not interchangeable parts. We're vital parts, organs of a body, all contributing to a growing healthy body with Jesus Christ as the head. Jesus Christ who comes down uh, to rescue us in person. You remember Ephesians 5.25, Jesus Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And Jesus Christ, think of Jesus himself. He knew the loss, he knew the loss of, of the presence of God. He heard the mocking. He saved others, he can't save, save himself. Come down from the cross. So you're the king of the Jews. He had a sense of the the loss. He had a sense of the mocking. One of my, um, sorry for, I I just talked to my son a couple of days ago and all these things popped up again. Um, One of my favorite scenes in any, um, in any movie, some of you have seen it, it's kind of, kind of rough. Um, saving Private Ryan. And you remember toward the end, of, what, what's the film all about? It's all about rescuing somebody, saving somebody, saving somebody who's lost. Uh, what has happened, it's um, right after the, um, um, it, it takes place, it, it's a fictional story, but it takes place right after D-Day. And, and here, here's a guy, Private Ryan, young guy, he's lost three brothers on D-Day, they've all died. Um, and he's in Europe somewhere, and, and um, the decision has been made by uh, various politicians. We can't let this mother lose four sons. She's already lost three. We've got to find this other guy and get him home. She's lost three sons. She can't lose four. And so they send these army rangers on a rescue mission, a saving mission. And so they go behind the lines, and they, uh, a number of them are killed, and this kind of thing did happen. A number of them are killed, and they eventually find him. They save him. They rescue him. If you remember, Tom Hanks was the, the star of the a film, and, and toward the end, as they finally find him, save him, they've got him. They're going to bring him back. They've rescued him, and right before they're supposed to, supposed to come back, Tom Hanks gets killed. He gets shot. He's wounded, um, and he pulls... His name is Captain Miller in the, in the film, and he gives his life. He gets shot. He, he pulls Private Ryan close and looks him into the eye right as he's about to give his life for him and die, and he says this, earn this. 
earn what I have done for you. And then he dies. And for the rest of his life, he's got to live with that burden of, of trying to live up to somebody saving him. For the rest of his life, he is haunted by this man who has given his life and says, earn this. You know, that's so, many, so, so many of us can fall into that, and so many Christians fall into that. Jesus did this for me, so I've got to do my best. Uh, Julie Andrews, Sound of Music, somewhere in my youth or childhood, I must have done something good. No. No, young Christians can call, fall into, we can fall. I need to do my best as a result and, and I need to somehow perform or earn. Anyway, toward the end of the movie, he goes back to the cemetery and he looks at the grave of the man who gave his life for him and he takes his family back and he goes with his wife and he finds the grave of Captain Miller who gave his life for him in this cemetery in Normandy. And he breaks down in tears and falls in front of this cross-shaped grave, by the way, shaped like a cross, falls in front of this cross and looks at this grave in tears. He says, every day of the rest of my life, I remember what you said to me that day on the bridge. Every day I think about what you said to me that day on the bridge, and I've tried to live my life the best I could. I hope it was enough. I hope that I have earned all that you did for me. And then he grabs his wife and says, am I a good man? Have I lived a good life? Have I earned it? Jesus is, is just the opposite. He comes to save. He comes to, to rescue. He comes to say, I've earned it. Live for me. Love because I first loved you. Show grace because I first showed grace to you. Bear fruit because I died on a tree. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to earn it. It is finished. Hebrews 12, 3. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you may not grow weary and lose heart. Consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You know, there's only one person um, who has ever lived who God hasn't said, look, obey me and I will walk with you and obey me. I'll walk with you. I will bless you. I will be there. Uh, for you. He says that to all of us. He says that to all of us, except for one. Obey me, I will bless you. Walk with me, I'll be there for you. Except for one, his own son. Obey me, 
do exactly what I asked you to do, and I will crush you. And I will turn my back on you. That is love. That is love, what Christ has done for us. Consider him. Let's pray. Lord, as we go back to life, as we go back to ministry, as we go back to the challenges that will face us, as we go back to the calling that we have, as we experience uh, the, the discouragement that can often come along, the, the dryness uh, that can take place in our lives, Lord, we pray that we would take these psalms as a model. We pray that we would walk through Psalm 42 and 43, um, knowing that you are walking with us, that you are there with us, and that we would take these practical steps as we face these real challenges uh, in our lives. And Lord, I pray that we would leave here just inflamed with love for Christ, that we would fix our eyes on, on Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith, and be full of joy and energy, excitement uh, as a result. And we would know and remember, it's not earn this. I've done this for you, so earn it. No, it's I've earned it. I've taken your place. I'm your sin substitute. Follow me. Consider me, love me, trust me, and find me, find me among my people and with my people. Pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.